Kingdom Speak listeners, we have a treat for you today. This man will light your fires. He will pump your tires. He will give you a boost, and he will do it with one hand tied behind his back. Welcome to a special episode of Kingdom Speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop. Sorry, bro. No apologies. <laughs> this is a cutthroat. Oh, this is going to be epic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I just hope. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. You just hope what? <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to save it for later. You do, do it. Yeah. I like I'm going to save it for later. Hey, everybody. If you haven't figured out yet, we have a guest on the show today. So just oh, before yeah. we turn him loose, let's. Um, Check in with our Amen Corner, who sends us Apple Podcast reviews. If you haven't sent us a review yet, we would ask you to turn the podcast off and go do that right now, please. Thank you. So this is coming from Matt Beast Mode. Five-star Apple review says, best apostolic podcast. Wow. I have been a listener since episode one, but never get around to leaving a review. This is by far the best podcast out there. Always very insightful and brings eye-opening revelation at times. At the beginning of 2021, I was going through a situation and Brother McKillop's podcast with Elder Townley on Wait For It gave me a much-needed endurance boost to my faith. Keep up the great work and shout out to Callie. Come nice. on. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Amen. Say amen to that. Thank you for that review, Matt. Beast mode. Hashtag yes. beast mode. Callie. Yeah. We like beast mode and leave a review. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, man, we have crossed another threshold. Yeah. We so are. You, you got the drums cued? Uh, oh, I, which button? Come on. Let me just start some music in and you set them up. Go ahead. I'm going to set them up. Okay. We have officially crossed the threshold of 150,000 downloads on our podcast. Wow. My, my. Come on, somebody. My, my, my. Glory. Those six people that listen, listen a lot. Oh, man. They're <laughs> they are they faithful. They repeat. They do. <laughs> we have got... plays 24-7. That is. We've got a faithful, faithful few that's following us. Love it. Loyalty. I love it. Love yeah, that's great. So we have a special, special episode lined up for our listeners today. Our um, our podcast has caused us to, has afforded us the privilege of networking with a number of people. Yeah. Mm. And we've been working on doing this episode. I think we first kicked the tires on it quite a few months ago. And you know how it goes. It's kind of like when, when someone says, hey, Doc, I want you to come preach for me. <laughs> you just kind of, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, until the calendars come out. You, you, you know can't, it's not serious. I can't count on it. <laughs> it's just kind of restaurant table fodder, mm, you know. I've never really had that happen before. You've never had that happen before? <laughs> what, the calendars just never come out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. The calendars Have just you? stayed. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of talked about, uh, you know, we need to do this. Mm. And then we just never did. But we are today. So this is yes. your day. And we are thrilled today to have 
Put your hands together for. No, oh, wait a minute. He no. say <laughs> sorry. He he doesn't know. He doesn't know what he's about ready to step into. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You so just keep, you just keep going, brother Derek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you might have met your match. I think. Yes. So our guest today is an author, a pastor, a preacher. A he's developed um, leadership material. He is a certified John Maxwell life coach. Um, what else? What else are you? It's 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 all. Well, of, I, I was I was thinking about I was thinking about joining the Olympic swim team, but I swim in circles. So I didn't <laughs> <do that>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I checked that one off my list. Okay. That, uh, I had enrolled. I had enrolled in the university for for sign language people, but I was afraid they'd only get half the message. So oh, I decided not oh, to do that. So, we're starting a counter. This is great. This is good. This is good. And we haven't even told them who it is. I, I, they don't even know who it is. They yeah. don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We are honored to have Brother Darren Sargent on yes. with us. He oh he also has a podcast. Is it the Darren Sargent Show? Is that that's correct? that's it? The Darren Sargent Show. You can find that on wherever you get podcast. Um, wherever you get podcast. So he is with us today, and has just recently kicked off. Nobody is born average. Is that correct? That is that's correct. A, that's a, a leadership course. Um, yep. so we're just we're delighted to have you with us. So talk to us a bit. Brother Sergeant, about the, the 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 man behind the the legend. <laughs> well, I don't besides know if you're your about my your dad or or, <laughs> or my uncle or who you talking about, but uh, what a what a treat it is to be on the show. I've listened to your podcast since you guys launched, um, and I get I get quite quite a bit from it. I'll be honest with you, I've enjoyed it. You guys have tackled some some crazy issues, and yet you've done it in a very uh, tactful and a very, I think, uh, positive way. And uh, you, you wait till next week. To the kingdom. Wait till next week. This <laughs> well, one is even better. I, well, what I was going to say is it's going downhill now. <laughs> it's, on its, it's on its way down. So, uh, but yeah, I um, I was born with the gift of of having only one hand. If you're watching, you can see. I'm Everybody needs to watch. There's nothing up there. Yeah, yeah. People, people say, uh, what, "What's up your sleeve?" I said, "Well, nothing." <laughs> um, I was born with a gift. I call it a gift because, uh, to me, it has been. As we were talking pre-show, uh, I give people a bad time. I said, "Don't, don't, don't pray for me. My ministry would be over. <laughs> don't, uh, don't pray for a miracle." Um, it's a little tough to shuffle a deck of cards, but I couldn't play with those growing up anyway. So, uh, my grandmother, boy, she got onto us if we put up, pulled out any type of cards. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's been a gift. I, I, you know, can't pick my nose and talk on the cell phone at the same time. So, there. uh, everything's Struggle. good there, but I, um, I've lived by a very simple statement. You'll never make an impact until you're committed to the collision. And we all have that yeah, we that's good. yeah we all have something that we deal with, mm -hmm. and until we collide with that, we'll never make an impact. And for me, I'm 52 years of age. I know I only look 29, but <laughs> I'm 52, and uh, I've had to collide with this guy right here many of times. But 
the result has always been trying to make a greater impact, trying to make a bigger difference in the world. And uh, I think we're called to that. I think that's part of who we are as humans. We're not to sit on a pew, just, you know, get burp fed every Sunday. We're to get what the preacher is preaching into our spirit, get out there and do something to shape our world. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. That's I'm all about the impact. So let me, let me ask you this. At what point did you adopt that outlook? Um, did your parents help frame that for you? I mean, as a child that is growing up in a world of two-handed friends, uh, at what sure. point did you embrace did you embrace this gift? Well, I, I think it has to go back to two two major events in my life. Um being born like this, I'm the first firstborn of Harold and Judy Sargent, amazing, an ama- two amazing people, amazing parents. Um, they, they helped shape my outlook and my attitude. And I'm big on attitude, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But mm-hmm. there was two major events that happened early in my life, one in first grade and one in the fourth grade. First grade, we were living in Salinas, California. And I had a prosthetic, just a hook. You've seen them. Someone has a hook on. I had one of those. I hardly ever wore it. It, My parents never forced me to wear it. Uh, Somebody had inducted me into the Shriners, and the Shriners had fitted me up till I was 12 years old. So anyways, I wore it to school one day in the first grade. Me and a buddy of mine were on the playground, and we both jumped for one of those red rubber playground balls, if you know what I'm talking about. And we jumped for it, whether it was kickball, we were playing four square, I don't remember. And my hook accidentally jabbed him in the lip and blood started coming out. And I'm thinking, man, this thing is awesome. (laughs) You know, I'm thinking I'm going to get some mileage out of this. But my first grade teacher didn't see it that way. Now, all the classrooms there in California, you know, wasn't like the weather was fine. So you just you just basically, you know, stepped outside and you're in the outdoor area of the school. Well, she called me outside after recess. And I remember, I don't remember her name, but I remember the look on her face. She said, how dare you wear that to school? You are different than the other children. I never want to see that on your arm again. That was first grade. Wow. It, that, that, that cut deep. Yeah. And yeah. I remember she gave me a note, sealed note to take home to my parents. And this is where it all started for me. I presented the note, didn't want to, had no idea what it said. I was, I was, I remember just being just devastated. And I handed the note to my parents. My dad opened it up. I'll never forget it. He pulled me up from off the floor. I was, I was a pool of tears and he put me on his lap. He said, Darren, Never showed me what it said, never read to me what it said, but he said these words. He says, this is not who you are. And he had his Bible close by, and he opened up to Psalm 139, verse 14, where it says, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he said, this is who you are. Wow. Changed my perspective. Now, fast forward three years, we moved from California right in the middle of my fourth grade school year. We moved to Idaho, a little small town outside of Twin Falls, Idaho, called Kimberly, Idaho. 
And then Kimberly, right in the middle of the school year, everybody, it was small school, but they put me in a classroom with a bunch of rambunctious boys. I wanted to, I wanted to play football at recess. I wanted to show them I can beat them single-handedly, but they wouldn't let me play. And I remember coming back into my classroom and I was, I was dejected again. And I collapsed on my desk. I'm bawling like a baby. A girl that sat next to me by the name of Shelly went up to my teacher, my fourth grade teacher, told him what had happened. And the next thing I knew is this teacher, who I remember his name, his name was Mr. Jenkins. This teacher lined up. He goes, class, can I have your attention? And I'm still in the back. I'm on the desk. I'm bawling like a baby. He says, class, can I have your attention? And he pulls out five or six students from the class, and he points out all of their positive differences. And then he said something that I didn't want to hear. He said my name. Darren, would you come here? And I'm thinking, here we go again. I'm uh, going to be embarrassed. Yeah. I'm going to be, you know, it's going to be a bad situation. He called me up there. He put his arm around me. And he said, this is Darren's difference. He's really no different than anybody else. He was made and created and fashioned this way wow. for a purpose. And that changed my life. I went into junior high and junior high. I ran for student office. My dad was my campaign manager, and he drew this figure with a sleeve hanging down and said, vote for Sarge. He'll be your right-hand man because that's all he can be. <laughs> and, <laughs> and everything, <laughs> everything, everything changed. At that moment, everything changed in my life. I went into high school. My arm became the high school mascot. Uh, I mean, we had so much fun. I've got story after story. I mean, substitute teachers were, were just my, I just, I loved when we had substitute teachers, uh, wow. cause I would play all kinds of pranks on them and put my arm in someone's mouth. that looks like my whole arm was down their throat. I've done that in thousands and thousands of camps across, but anyways, those were two critical key moments in my life that shaped my attitude about what some people call a disability or a disadvantage, which I really call a gift and an advantage. It's an advantage. Do you, uh, you just mentioning that, uh, Brother Sergeant, at the end that, it, you know, it kind of morphed into uh, something that you, you begin laughing about. I've heard people say this before that have been through horrific things, that it wasn't until they could laugh at the situation, the circumstance, what they had been through, that their outlook changed and they really were able to, uh, I, don't want, I don't want to say cope with it, just accept um, what had happened. Is, is that, did that have, a, have an effect on it? Because clearly you, you've, over the last 15 minutes, had us, had us laughing about it now. Well, I, I think I think it, it goes back to those critical moments, you know, and, and I haven't I haven't even brought in the spiritual application. Sure. sure. The times where I questioned mm -hmm. why I was created the way I was, and God would put something into my spirit in an altar service where wow. someone would preach a word that would impact my faith and realize that, you know, and, and it boils down for me. I think it boils down to the attitude. Now, I, I don't know what it's like to to have something, then all of a sudden lose it. 
Okay. Okay. I was born like this. So this is natural for me. Right. Um, I, I went on a journey a few years back with a, with a bionic arm. That's another story in and of itself that still, I believe God brought me to that. I haven't learned all the lessons. And if we have time, maybe we could talk about that. But uh, my attitude was developed by, by, by ministers, by parents, and by teachers. And probably fourthly, by friends. Mm. Those four key areas Mm -hmm. really impacted my life. Mm -hmm. Ministry, which I would classify as leadership in my life, my parents, which is the, the relational leader in your life as a child when you're being formed. My friends, I, I mean, teachers, Mr. Jenkins. What's so cool, that, let me just say this real quick. I, I wrote a kid's book called Thank You, Mr. Jenkins. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I just sent it to the publisher, and the last page on it said, thank you, Mr. Jenkins, or it said, I don't know if you're alive, don't even know if, you, if, if you're around anymore, but I have one thing to thank. One thing to say, thank you, Mr. Jenkins, you changed my life. I was doing a motivational speech at my old high school to the teachers, and I walked in, and the superintendent of the school district, real small school that I graduated from, she was the mother of a girl I graduated with. She goes, Darren Sargent, what are you doing here? I hadn't been back since I graduated in 87. And I said, well, I just wrote this kid's book about the first grade story and the fourth grade story about Mr. Jenkins. I said, I, she goes, Oh, he just retired. I just saw him three hours later, my phone rang and it was Mr. Jenkins. I took him out to lunch or breakfast and we met. He sat there as I told him the story, this book and his impact in my life, tears running down his face Uh. at IHOP. And he said, three days ago, my son asked me, dad, whatever happened to that kid, Darren in your class that had one arm, his influence years ago, I was doing a motivational speech in Idaho or in Nevada, and he drove down. I took a film crew, and we talked about that moment from his perspective and why he felt it was such a crucial moment. Here's Let me just, let me just stop here because I, I kind of feel a little, a little Holy Ghost. Go ahead. Absolutely. We never know what one word can oh, do God. in someone's life. Wow, bro. Absolutely. So true. So that true. moment shaped me. I'm 52. That was fourth grade. I'm still, Mr. Jenkins, that story has been told to close to a million people. And probably, you know, now that this, now I'm on your podcast, we're going to go probably to another billion. Oh yeah. Viral. I'm I'm, I'm boosting you guys up. I'm trying to get that. Yeah. Yeah. But the influence, all of us, all of us don't realize the impact that we can make in this world. Wow. And when my attitude was formed throughout life, even into my 20s, things happened that formed and shaped. I determined to live by a statement that I heard when I was 17 years of age. I wrote in my Bible, your attitude determines your direction, and direction is more important than speed. It does Mm. not matter how fast or how slow you go. If you get pointed in the right direction, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. That's a long answer to a short wow. question. I apologize. <laughs> that is so good. So if, if this is too personal of a question, you can just deflect. But have there ever been times, because it, it's like, I'm sure there are things, if this isn't one in your life, that at low points in your life, 
you begin struggling with things that that at other times in your life you seem to you seem to to cope with and handle better. So were there times in your walk with God that you did struggle with it again, even after the Mr. Jenkins moments and the altar calls and the, you know, and how did you cope with that, if that's a fact? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, <laughs> in, in college, all my buddies were playing golf and I wanted to play. And so I took up golf and now I beat most of them. Of course, if they beat me, they don't tell nobody. I beat them. I tell everybody. Yeah, of course. Uh, but <laughs> when I step onto, when I step onto a tee box, I'm an instant target for people's stares. Yeah. You know, it. when yes. I walk into a restaurant, I'm an instant target. Sure. For people's stares. My parents flew in the other night, picked them up at the airport, went to Cracked Barrel. And when I walked in, there was a table of people, and I shouldn't have done it, but every once in a while, it just, it, I'll be honest, it just bugs me. The whole table was just staring at me, like, yeah. oh my Lord. Where's his arm? So I, <laughs> where'd you go? Hey, matey. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the boat. <laughs> Do you ever have a I patch just, that you I wear just, with it? I just raised my arm up in the air. <laughs> And I said, yep. <laughs> yep. It's got a hook. Um, got the whole thing. I am Captain Hook. But I, I think for me, I think for me, it it really has been a, a progressive revelation of understanding my identity. Mm -hmm. Well said. I remember at 19, I remember at 19, I was dating a girl that was 22. And we had been talking about the future and things were getting serious. And we were on a date one day and she had been acting really strange. And I probably better be careful with this story because this person may hear this, but um, it needs to be said. Uh, she had been just making little snide remarks about the fact that, <laughs> you know, I was missing an arm. I mean, it doesn't take, you don't have to be Copernicus to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> just look at me. And one day we were on a date and she said, uh, I don't know if I could have a future with you. I was like, Oh, okay. She goes, people look at you weird when you walk into a store. I said, well, I don't think it's because of my arm. I think it's because I'm so strikingly handsome. And, uh, mm. she, she said, she said, if I marry you, I may one day want to know what it feels like to be held by a man with two hands. And wow. oh. I looked at her, and these are the words that came out of my mouth. I said, I'm not the one with the handicap. You are. Wow. And I broke up with her. Thank God I did. Wow. But those are moments. That's 19 years of age. Mm. I can take you to when my son was born at 20, when I was 26 years of age. When my son was born, my wife We've been married about three years. Carson was born, and the doctor took one look at me and wanted to run my wife through all this genetics counseling and, and testing. And and I said, no, no. I said the son's gonna, my son's gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. If anything wrong with him, I think I'll be able to handle it. But again, it rose up that 
okay, I'm not enough. Mm, yes. People don't think because by looking at me, I'm not enough. And when your attitude gets, and I go back to, let me go back to Psalm 139. This revelation hit me about seven or eight years ago. I preached it. I preached a message called Nobody's Born Average. Preach at every youth camp I get a chance to preach at. Every youth convention I preach at. Every youth meeting. This is my first message out of the gate mm. because it deals with this concept. All of us were born fearfully and wonderfully made. All of us were born with promise and potential. Right. But somewhere in the course of our life, we become average. Somewhere in the course of our life, we allow our hurts, we allow our past, we allow our disabilities, we allow our mistakes, we allow our fears, our failures, whatever, to cause us to slip into this place where we live in the status quo, when we were created to do great things. We were fashioned by the hand of divinity to make a difference. Oh, yes. And when the enemy can convince us that we are nothing but average, he's won the battle. And from the time we get in that cradle to the time we get in the grave, it's this constant struggle of identity. I am who God says I am. I am not defined by my circumstance. I define my circumstance. Mm. This does not define me, folks. Right. I've chosen to define it. Right. And when we get that type of resolve and that type of attitude, you can charge hell with a squirt gun. You're going to get something done. Exactly. We have a generation right now that is the most creative, the most unique, the most talented generation. But some of them are allowing their failures and their past and their upbringing to allow them to slip into the abyss of the average. And they're not doing what God has called them to do. Rise up. Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. No weapon formed. I'm preaching now. Go stop. preach. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Mm -hmm. And so this attitude has has been able to shape during those times when I have been marginalized or I have been pushed to the side because of my so-called disability. And it's a constant going back, <clears throat> Brother McKillop, going back to that word, going back to that word, oh. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh. Going back to that word, I am a child of God. Yeah. Going back to right. that world, I knew right. you when you were in your mother's womb. Right. I formed you. I fashioned you. When right. your substance was unknown, I had a plan for you. Man. That's what drives me. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost. You know, Musicians come. this is why. This, this, is, this is an old battle. The battle of sure. identity. Is, it's an old battle. I mean, you, Jesus battle. himself, if, you know, the, first of all, they, they, they attack that, that he's just Joseph's son, which is a misplaced mm. identity. And, and, and then at, at his baptismal mm. moment, this is my beloved son. And then mm. he goes to the wilderness, and it's, if thou be. Mm. And then he has the moment where he's talking to his disciples, and he says, who, yes. who do men say that I am? Yeah. Yeah. And then he's on a cross. What's the scuttlebutt? Yeah. You know, and 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 they're still questioning his identity. It it it's it's like from from start to finish, the above average, the identity of the above average is constantly questioned. Yes. Yes. I think and I think the enemy realizes the underlying pull of 
that feeling we're not quite adequate enough. enough. Absolutely. That he understands that that is what hinders most people from stepping forward and engaging with this culture. I'm not afraid of our culture right now. This is the greatest culture for the church. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be hiding our head in the closet. Absolutely. Waiting on the return of Jesus. This is a time where people are looking for people. People are looking for people who understand who they are. Oh, so good. Absolutely right. So good. And what they can do. They're just looking for a chance. And and in what I do, this is this is what I feel God has called me to do is to remind people, you're not average. You got a pot- you got a promise, you got a future, you got great potential. Mm. There is a there is a thought that you could probably actually do something with Brother McKillop because you, you you got the you got a great brain. I'm but taking notes. A thought. <laughs> there is a thought. I think it's in Second Kings. I could be I could be off and maybe first Kings, but it's it's the story where the where the, the king comes to the prophet Elisha mm-hmm. and the prophet tells him to open up a window and shoot the arrow. Yes. And then he gives him an open-ended command to strike the ground. Yes. He strikes it three yes. times and stops. And the king or the prophet becomes angry with the king. Why would the prophet become angry with the king when he didn't give him any instruction on exactly. how many times he's supposed to strike the ground? Is it possible that he just quit too soon? Is it possible that he didn't realize the potential mm-hmm. he had in his hand? I was preaching this to a group of college students the other day. I was, I was saying, you know, there are two two things that we have to do from that story. We have to strike, we have to shoot, and we have to strike. Mm-hmm. When I shoot the arrow, it goes beyond my control. It's when God takes it and does something with it. Good. An arrow is no good in its quiver. Right. But it is good when it's launched out and it's engaging with the enemy that's beyond my reach. But the striking part is my responsibility. I have to I have to realize my potential in what I am doing and not stop. And that's been me. I uh, sure. Sure there have been times I could have stopped. I could have quit. I could have said how in the world am I going to do anything single-handedly? Exactly. How do I hold a mic and point for someone to come help me? When I point, the front three rows come up. <laughs> you know, they don't know where I'm pointing. Who, me? You know? <laughs> no, you. No, you. You, me, you, you, me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I just, I just had to, I had to push all those fears and those wow. questions to the side and realize, you know what? Yeah, maybe I can't do sign language. You don't get mm-hmm. half the message. Maybe, maybe, maybe I can't do this or do that. But, you know, I remember, I remember in sixth grade, I had a teacher. I guess he felt sorry for me because he thought I was being bullied. So he was trying to teach me karate. And, you know, I'm not a violent person. I can't even stab my own Capri son. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's like, leave me alone. You know, but anyways, you'll get that in a minute. <laughs> better stop on that i love it <laughs> oh man <laughs> they've got to be engaged with this one love it they got to be engaged with this one so let, let me let and i'm not wanting to hover out on this 
too long, but I think it's so fitting because in, in, when we were talking in the pre-show about disappointments, not everybody that you're speaking to today and connecting with has an obvious gift, sure. to use your word, okay? Mine could be emotional mm. so that I can sure. walk into the Cracker sure. Barrel and nobody looks at me. But in the emotional realm, it is just, it, it, it's, it's as significant of an event as being single-handed, yes. okay? But it's, yes. but from the eyes of everybody around, the Mr., do you say Johnson? Is it Mr. Johnson? Jenkins. Mr. Jenkins. Jenkins. Mr. Jenkins doesn't even know. Yeah. Necessarily, okay? So you are, you're speaking to people that, undoubtedly don't have your issue, but they are paralleling what yes, is going yes. on in their life with what has happened. How do you keep um, the disappointments in life from becoming a disappointment in God? That, that, that bridging that, because I, 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 would, I would dare say God hasn't answered all of the questions that you would have about sure how you were born exactly so so you've learned to cope and embrace it with questions and not all the answers without blaming god and allowing that to to, to bridge over into a disappointment in god well i, I would agree with you i i've often stated you know every time i speak the individuals I'm speaking to, whether it be students, young adults, adults, grandparents, they may not have a physical disability, what some people would call a physical disability, but they're dealing with something. You're right. There's right. an emotional, there's an emotional disability. There's a something inside that has caused them to, to disconnect or disengage with the potential that lies within them. Um, to me, it has always been going back to my relationship with God. Mm. We've heard it. We've heard Bishop Wilson talk about it. Mm -hmm. Isaiah, first of all, gets a revelation of God. Yes. He then gets a revelation of self. I would yes. propose that you can't truly understand who you are till you understand who he is. Absolutely. And when he got a revelation of God, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, the strain filled the temple. And then it, the Bible says, and and he said, woe is me. He then got a revelation of himself. Yes. And the angel took the coal from off the altar, put it on his lips. But then you have the mission. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. after you receive that revelation of God that results in a revelation of self. Mm. So true. It then results in a revelation of the mission because then the question was asked, whom shall I send? And crawling out, whew, mm. crawling out from under the altar in the temple was a broken prophet wow. who lifted his hand and said, send me. I will go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll engage this culture. Wow. I That's feel power, power, power. God. There's, there's, there's powerful insight mm. there. But mm. I think there's more than there's more there than we have time probably to talk about. Well, that's the same but thing then, Brother me, Sergeant. Would it not be the same thing that happened with yes. Peter? Who, who well, thou exactly. art the Christ. Oh, okay. So this is who you are. 
And now I'm yes. going to build my church yes. on the revelation that you have. Revelation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I think we see it prominently in major leaders within Scripture. Look at Moses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, yes. Look at Moses. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Moses, even Abraham. I mean, you've got people of faith that came to this identity crisis and had to settle the issue. For me, every time I came across a disappointment, every time I came across the question, maybe it took me longer than I care to admit sometimes to get there, but I always found my answer Mm. in prayer and in the Word of God, always. Mm. That's where my identity is established. Yes. And the enemy attacks that, as we know, as he did with Jesus in the wilderness. He's going to attack identity over and over and over and over. And he's attacking it to try to curb potential. Exactly. Exactly. Well put. Yeah. Because he recognizes. You know, once someone gets a hold of it, it don't matter what devil in hell rises up. You're going to get through it. How many times have we been knocked down? I'll just say for me, I won't speak for you guys there in Canada that are perfect up there, but <laughs> how, many times have, how many times have I been knocked down and seemingly defeated and the enemy thought he'd won, but something sparks? Mm. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's a purpose. There's a purpose. There's a purpose. Mm. There's a purpose. There's a purpose. There is, there is something that only you can do. Exactly. I don't think there's been anything more that speaks to that than me being on a golf course, to be honest with you. Sure. I can't hit. I can't hit as far as some of these guys, my friends. I can't. Yep. I don't get to play all the time. But, man, some of these guys crush the ball. I have to be okay with my limitations. And that's where identity, I think, really is defined. When you're okay with your limitations and operate within the realm of your potential. Mm-hmm. See, see, brother, brother Sergeant, this has everything to do with everything. It's everything to do with ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, how come I'm not pastoring yes. 5,000 people? How come I'm not preaching the circuit? How come I'm, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. It, it, it's, it's about operating within that identity and, and the sphere of the, of the purpose that God has for you. I think, I think sometimes we we elevate people based on talent and ability mm-hmm. and forget that we can only go as high as our character is deep. Mm. And when we, when we understand who we are, which is character, yeah, that's where the potential, you know, you see people that are talented, have great ability. They're out there. They're flashing the pans are out there being used. And we do, we sit back and say, why am I not doing that? Yeah. Well, they fizzle out and we say, what happened? Well, they were riding on the, the, the level of their talent and ability and not their character. I'd rather operate within who I know I am. Mm-hmm. Every time. Than try to compete wow. with somebody else. I have a question for you. I ain't got time. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but I was just thinking about this. So you, no. you not only talk to audiences, but you talk to leaders as well. Um, so how, what do you say to leaders, church leaders, school teachers? How, how do you get those people who are in positions of authority to bring people out of their shell. Cause you know, it's frustrating to look at people and as a leader, you see the potential in them. Yeah. Right. So how do you be the uh, Mr. Jenkins? 
I, I think I think it comes. It's it's really a five a five chord. I do a lot with just five fingers. Five, <laughs> You're five. not a ten kind of guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not unless I take my shoes off. I can get to fifteen. That's as far as I can get. Um, I I wrote. I have a I have a leadership course that I am I'm getting ready to launch and I hesitate to to mention this someone's going to steal it from me uh, but it's all based on what what Mr. Jenkins did mm-hmm. there were five key things that he did um, I call it get a grip understanding your sphere of influence basically mm-hmm. and the first thing you have to do represented by the thumb is you've got to you've got to you got to have this action moment, this moment where you recognize something needs to be done in the life of this individual. Mm-hmm. For me, in talking with Mr. Jenkins, we're still connected to this day. He's, he's elderly, and I, I don't know how much long he'll be around, but uh, we still stay connected. But he told me, he goes, I knew at that moment I had to do something about it. Sure. And understanding and recognizing the moment somebody needs the impact that only you can give. So you get that, that opening, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think, to be honest with you, I know that was in a, a school environment. He's you know not a not a religious man like 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 I'm used to, but it was a, I think it's a spiritual principle. I think you totally. have to be in tune. You have to know the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many times have, how many times have we all been in altars where God would give you a word for that moment for that person? Right. And the difference that that made understanding and recognizing the moment is first of all, in my opinion, because you could speak too soon and wreck a situation. Yes. Timing. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Timing is everything. And then the second key area is patience. Mm. Not everybody develops the way that you develop mm. well, or gets good. it the way that you get it. And so I've had to, in, in dealing with, with students speaking into their lives over the last 30 plus years of my life, I've had to recognize the moment and I had to be in tune with God to make sure I was in the right moment. And then having the patience to understand, uh, I know this is a powerful word, and you should get it right away. They're probably not going to get it right away. Yeah. And yeah. understanding it takes time. Development takes time. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And, and you know what's, what's amazing um, about this whole narrative is that God's concern is about the overall body of Christ. Okay. And sure. He, he knows the voices that are needed for each generation. There's, there's, there's uniquenesses about the, about the prophets that, that set each of them apart. Mm -hmm. Um, reading through Jeremiah right now, one of the most unique Uh ministries, (laughs) you know, yes. One of the most unique ministries that, that in our day would probably be, castigated and just thrown off to the side as as a you know what what a loser and yeah Yeah. so i think that there's a beauty in what you have done um, and what you've allowed god to do 
through your situation because I can see this. I can stand up and preach from a head knowledge space about shirking off victim thinking, Mm -hmm. a victim mentality. Mm -hmm. But you have stepped to stages and done it where they can look at me and say, yeah, but you just don't get it. If, if you would have been through something like I've been through, you would understand why I'm struggling with what I'm struggling with. That's a little harder to say to a man standing there with one hand. <laughs> well, and it's true. And I think that's why at 52, I'm still being asked to speak into the lives of students yeah. and young people. Yeah, I don't know how long, much longer it's going to last, but I relish every opportunity because I, I can still relate by just the way that I look mm. to somebody who's, who's dealing with something that nobody else sees. And I feel like God has called me to hit that niche, if you will, that specialized area yeah, and deal with that emotional. It, it is. It, it, it's that victim mentality, brothers, that victim mentality is real. Mm. It's damaging. It is of hell mm. and it will stop revival if we let God. it in a lot of people's lives. Yes, it will. Oof. And to speak to that, and to say, you do not, you do not have to be a byproduct of your circumstance. You can become a product of your decisions and your attitude. And I'll say it again: your attitude determines your direction, and direction is so much more important than speed. It just sets you up for success. Wow. And I, I refuse to be I refuse to be marginalized by by my by what some people consider to be a, a disability or a handicap. I'm not going to. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let anybody put me in a box. I'm not gonna become a statistic. I'm gonna be who God says I am. Yeah. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. I am a royal priesthood. Yeah. We're a holy nation. But we, we are called out for a specific purpose. From the from the standpoint of someone that does not have your gift, as you have labeled it, uh, the fact that you have embraced it, that makes a difference in the kingdom of God, and that is something that, that that's noteworthy. So thank you for, for doing that. I think this is a good opportunity for you to talk to us a little bit about the program that you've put together Nobody is born average. And I know you've been referring to so many of the things that, that are likely core principles of this, but you've just, you've just launched. Well, okay. Yeah. Just launched it. Yeah. Talk to us about that. Okay. Uh, It's based on the revelation. Psalm 139, uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. Nobody is born average. I got to looking at the word average and I thought, okay, what are, what are, there's seven letters in average. What are seven letters seven things that causes an individual to be average. And so I developed a course where we go through those seven things. I said, well, I don't want to leave them on a negative note. Mm. How can we turn average into awesome? Guess how many letters awesome has? Uh-huh. There's seven letters. And so now it's this journey from going from average to awesome. And it's about 12, 15 minute 
some of them are 20 minute videos with a workbook that just go through. These are seven things that'll cause you to be average, but let's turn it. Here's seven things that'll cause you to be awesome. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> because that, is what I see what you did there. That's awesome. That's he didn't what, even see what he did. What, I know he didn't even see it. Yeah. I saw it. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's developed around that core principle of realizing, you know, God, God's called us some, some great things, but if we're not careful, we can slip into this status quo mentality, this victim mentality, and we can allow voices. We can allow apathy yeah. voices, yeah. excuses, uh, I go through I go through several of them, and uh, you can find it at nobodyisbornaverage.com. It's a set of 15 lessons, all in all, about probably 14 lessons, but 15 lessons. I do a transitional one in between average and awesome, and uh, yeah, just released and get a lot of good feedback. I got someone texted me a picture the other day. There's a whole classroom that's going through it in a school in Indiana, and I thought that is cool. That that really it made me happy. So I, yeah, it's, it's what I want to do. It's what I'm doing, trying to do. I appreciate the opportunity to even talk about it. Thank you. Oh man. We, we definitely wanted that to get out to our, to our audience that that was available. We, um, man, I've, I've enjoyed this so much. I've felt the presence mm, of the Lord this here. It's been fun. And, uh, is there anything as we're wrapping up that you would just like to leave with our audience? Just, Speak, speak to us about anything that God's laid on your heart, anything that you'd like to leave with us as we wrap this up. I, I, think, I think you kind of led into it, Pastor McKillop, when you talked about Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah's main positive influence was his voice. If there's ever a time that we need to be speaking loudly, mm about who God is, who we are in Christ, who the church is, this is right now. This is why, in my opinion, podcasts like yours are so vital in this hour. The voice that's coming across those microphones, excuse me, are going across the world, and it's making a difference. We cannot be silent right now. No. Wow. Well said. Not in this culture that we're in. We cannot be silent. And that was Jeremiah's biggest plus. Now, it got him in a lot of hot water. Yeah, it sure did. But what a difference his voice made. Wow. Speak up, apostolics. Wow. Wow. Speak up. Don't be ashamed about who you are. Don't be ashamed about the God that you serve. Speak up. I'm working on a book right now. I hope to have it done sometime next year. I'm calling it the sound of one hand clapping. What's stopping you from making some noise? It's uh, time to make some noise, uh, y'all. Uh, it's time to make some noise. I'm ready to have some church. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Let's do it. Woo. I love you guys. You guys are an inspiration to many. I want to thank you for just uh, your encouragement to a lot of people in the body of Christ. It's really, really appreciated. Well, we appreciate you coming on, and man, this has been so, so good today. Um, where, where can, can folks go to get some of your material? You know, right now, uh, my website's being read, redesigned, but you can go to darrensargent.com. It should point you to a website that is currently up. 
Uh, if it doesn't, you can go to Dasarge, D-A-S-A-R-G-E.com. Uh, but that will soon be changing. A lot of good content. Fearfully and Wonderfully Made Tour is being launched this next year in 10 cities awesome. in North America. I'm excited about that. Going to be talking about a lot of this and kind of a night of inspiration, hope, and comedy. Get to, I'm going to have to have Brother Derek write me some new material. I think. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Give me a give me a handout. <laughs> give and, me uh, a handout. <laughs> I was going to ask if you were driving the bus and keeping both hands on the wheel. No, I never could do the two and ten or whatever. <laughs> and they let you pass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. They did. Uh, thankfully. So we've but, got one uh, last question. Then, will you, will you come uh, back on? I would be absolutely honored to come back on. Awesome. So, awesome. So let's let's do it. Well, we're going to keep track of of some of the stuff you're working on, and as as it launches and publishes, we'll just do this again. Help you out, yes, sir. Man, you guys are you guys are kind. You're a blessing to the kingdom. Thank you again, man. Everybody, go check them out. Desarge.com, and purchase the books. Get in the course, and make a difference in the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs>